Welcome to the Business Divorce Podcast. I'm Peter Mahler. You're in for a treat on this episode, especially if you enjoy a Texas twang. I'm talking about Steve Robinson, whom I recently had the pleasure of speaking with and recording. Steve has his own law firm, Robinson & Robinson in Fort Worth, Texas. He's a Harvard law grad. He practiced for many years doing corporate and securities law at big law firms before making the jump in 1994 to his own small law firm practice. In recent years, Steve's practice has focused on formation of closely held firms, as well as separating business co-owners when the relationship deteriorates. I guess you could say he's there for the marriage and the divorce. But as you'll hear in the interview, Steve is not a litigator, and his approach to resolving disputes among co-owners strives to achieve resolution without going through potentially destructive litigation. Steve also enjoys writing, as I do, and added a blog to his website and has been sharing his knowledge and experience about business divorce, which is how I discovered Steve. But unlike me, Steve is not a litigator, so his dispute resolution practice and his writings have the distinctive approach of a transactional lawyer. I think you'll find Steve's insights and perspective as useful and interesting as I did. So without further delay, I give you Steve Robinson. Steve Robinson, welcome to the Business Divorce Roundtable. Thank you, Peter. Steve, you're down in Texas. Absolutely, in Fort Worth, real Texas. I knew I wanted to speak with you and interview you when I started to notice a series of posts of yours, I think on LinkedIn, all dealing with various aspects of business divorce. I was very attracted to not only the topic, of course, but the way you were approaching the topic. My style has been over the years of blogging about it has, it has been a very case-centric approach. You know, here, here's a new lawsuit, here's a new decision, uh, here's what the court did, here are the lessons we can learn from it. And in your writings, you take a very different approach to the business divorce problem. I, I'm almost tempted to call you the, the philosopher king of business divorce. The way, the way you, you write about it from, from, from a very sort of high altitude, analyzing the problems and the issues, not, not necessarily specific legal issues, but sort of a, a holistic, if I can use that word, approach to uh, dealing with the many problems of business divorce. Have, have I just slandered you or is that a fair um, assessment? Oh, Peter, as soon as this is available, I'm going to ask my wife to sit down and listen to the part where you call me a philosopher king. <laughs> okay. Say, what, what garbage is that? What, who is this guy? <laughs> You're an experienced lawyer with decades of experience behind you. Have you always been interested in and in, in practicing you know, business divorce litigation or, or counseling, or is that something fairly recent for you? Now, Peter, you're absolutely right. I have practiced since 82. Uh, in, I've been in private practice since 1982 uh, when I graduated Harvard. And I started as a corporate securities lawyer with a, a large firm uh, down here in Texas. After a while, transferred over with a working group uh, to become a partner at uh, another place. And in both areas, I was in uh, what we referred to at the time as corporate securities. Uh, in fact, heavy on securities law. And then in 94, I kind of went out more or less on my own small firm and began a uh, to continue the corporate work. Recently, I sat down and did a reexamination of, of where my practice was and where I'm headed. When I did that, I made a, a, a discovery, something I had suspected, but I had never sat down and actually analyzed. 
I noticed a shift more and more to dealing with disputes and, uh, and what I learned were called business divorces in privately held companies. I also knew that I, frankly, rather enjoyed doing them. And I thought I was fairly decent at them to deal with the business divorce issue because I discovered I've been doing it for some time. My approach is, is I think, quite different from the background uh, that you have, Peter. I do not come from a litigation background. While I have been the substantive law attorney, if I can use that term, and sit in on courts occasionally where the trial lawyers were doing their thing and they needed me to pull their sleeve and point out the correct corporate statute or partnership law or case or whatever, and, and sometimes to help them, help them develop their theories and presentation of the theories to the, uh, to the court, writing their briefs and that sort of thing. I never was the litigant. So my background is completely different. And I noticed that in the business divorce area, as I started to to look into it, and it's certainly more recognized, I believe, as a uh, subpart uh, of litigation in a recognized separate area in your part of the world, in New Jersey and New York, than it has been down here in Texas. I noticed that so many folks who got into that came from a commercial litigation background. But I come from a very different background. We're dealing with people who own small, privately held, even closely held businesses. Well, I'm a business lawyer. And so I approach things like a business lawyer with that kind of familiarity, background, and comfort level. I felt that litigators tended naturally, as they should, approached it from more of a a real conflict level and sometimes a win-lose area. Well, I think that is fine in many cases, I'm not sure that fits in every case. In fact, I've seen situations where the, they got a commercial lawyer, commercial litigation lawyer involved, and things in terms of the business went from from bad to worse because there was an emphasis on the trial room win lose approach rather than we have a problem and how can we best fix the problem so everyone can walk away without being devastated. Uh, so I hope that is a um, explanation of why I, 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 I don't shy away from saying I look at this in a holistic approach. I think I may do it more than a lot of trial lawyers are trained to do. I have two comments. Number one, the fact that you would dive into business divorce at the age of 62 tells me you have a, you've had a latent masochistic streak in you, which is only now emerging. Number, number, number two, number two, I feel I have to now defend the honor of litigators after that speech. You know, it's, it's funny, you, you, you use the, you know, you, you talked about sort of a, a win-lose sensibility that litigators have. And I think you're right about that. And, and my impression, you know, I work with corporate lawyers, transactional lawyers at my own firm, and of course at other firms. And, and it's true, there is something to that. The approach of, of transactional lawyers does tend to be more of a, a win-win because they're trying to put together a deal where mm-hmm. both sides are voluntarily you know, looking to make that deal to their mutual advantages, which you know, in a business divorce or in many, many, of course, types of litigations, it's, that's just really not the case. Um, sometimes you know, by definition, the interests of the two or three sides, however many sides there are, are, you know, diametrically opposite. Someone is looking to cash out, liquidate their interest in the company, 
They want to maximize the value of that. The other side wants to minimize the value of what they're going to pay. And, and, and you could say that's true of any commercial transaction, but you know, there, there is a, a sort of, in my mind anyway, sort of an, an inherent adversarial element there that just can't be avoided. It is there. And so the approach you know, is different than the one you would take as a transactional lawyer. And that sort of segues for me into the question of, you know, what is the role of, you know, the adversarial process in business divorce? Is it a tactical tool that we use to reach that win-win? Is that the way to look at it? I mean, there is a role for litigation in resolving these disputes, is there not? Absolutely, Peter. I could not agree more. And I, and I, I don't mean to disparage commercial litigation lawyers in the slightest although it's always good to provoke one occasionally to just say something, I guess. Seriously, I, I do appreciate them a lot, and uh, but I think I do come at it from a different perspective, and, and I, and I want to emphasize that, and I think it's, it's, it's apparently obvious from some of the way they approach some of the writing I, I do. Is it when, 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 when two or three or four or a dozen people get together to form a business, I mean, they have adverse interests when they're forming but their love or affection or like or greed or whatever will tend to over, override some of that adversity and they will get together and merrily go down the road and, uh, and, and, and start a business. And, and, and sometimes with the help of attorneys like myself and, and, and others, we will have built up a company agreement, a shareholders agreement, some kind of an arrangement among them to anticipate the day when they're no longer in love with each other, which happens, as you know, uh, quite often. And you'll have a process. Uh, sometimes clients don't want to do that because they it's, it's, it's like a couple trying to get about to get married and signing a prenup would just be uh, somehow diminishing their sign of affection or love for each other. So people do all sorts of things. When they break up, and they do for a lot of reasons, as you know, of course, they can do things for very hostile reasons. They can do things because they have a amicable but serious disagreement over the future of the business. Expand, continue doing what we're doing, opening another facility, hire people. They can have serious disagreements about that and yet uh, not be picking fights with each other. On the other hand, sometimes it becomes very, very, very personal. Uh, some of the ones I've done involve uh, family partnerships. It's hard sometimes to understand that these people grew up in a loving home and were deep, close siblings, considering how 25, 30 years later, uh, they're at each other's throats, uh, which is, I think, probably typical of uh, a, a deep personal relationship and a lot of love and affection. When it when it does turn, it turns badly. Either that, or they're just—it's a continuation of the crib fights they had when they were youngsters. I had one uh, within the last few years, and I will I will note that when I got documents from my client, some emails that that uh, he and his uh, sibling had exchanged concerning their disagreements about how uh, the other one was managing the business. That one email, the first paragraph was a response to a books and records demand of uh, saying, well, you've, you've asked for this before. I've always given you what you've asked for. And now you're asking for more stuff. This is inappropriate, you know, so, that sort of thing. Paragraph two, and, I'll, and this is just a continuation of the cruelty you've shown me my whole life when you chopped off my Barbie's head. When I was eight years old, and uh, you know, and I, I, I kind of read it and I kind of, kind of laugh, and but that it is, it builds up that well of uh, we had a fight when we were children, and sometimes now we have fights with them when we were adults, and mom and dad are gone, 
and not going to resolve them for us. I, I, I agree with your point about perhaps it's a little masochistic to get in at, at any age into some of this stuff of business divorce. But again, for me, one thing I discovered, I think, about myself looking back over the last few years and seeing how I, 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 I've done some things is that I've noticed that in addition to having a very different approach from that of many trial lawyers, um, again, I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging any of them, but just a different approach. I think that's fair to say. Well, that's a good segue into the, the piece you wrote that, that first caught my eye. You called it Business Divorces, The People Problem. And the first couple of lines of that I'll read, you wrote, the problem is not people themselves. The problem occurs whenever there's a failure to distinguish between the people involved in a legal matter and the matter itself. I would love to hear how one distinguishes in the setting of a business divorce between the people and, 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 and the legal matter. Too often, the people, the individuals and the personalities get wrapped up in the problem to the uh, degree that they almost become inseparable and they, and they worsen each other. And so, it is important to separate the individuals, the people involved, from the legal problems they have. While that may be very difficult at times, I think maybe a way to explain it is is that I like to, and I try to, and I believe it does work, to remember that the person you're seeing, be it your client or your client's opponent, is first and foremost just a human being, man, woman, whatever, a human being, and they happen to be involved in a dispute, and it and they may both be acting in good faith, one or the other may not be acting in good faith, but they're still entitled to some respect and a presumption, until proven otherwise, that they are basically decent people. And that there's a decent people who happen to have a legal problem, and that is a separate issue. And let me illustrate this uh, in, in by one example that, that is not that old for me, just a couple of years ago, uh, of a difference between how at least one commercial litigator entirely conflated the two issues together. I think he did it you know, knowingly and deliberately as part of his positional bargaining, but I don't know. I had a situation, partners fell, fell, fell out. There was a dispute about how certain assets were to be distributed. He asked me to present any legitimate claim that my client, his, his old partner, had a claim to certain assets coming uh, to being distributed out of the uh, partnership. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll try to do that. I put together a rather lengthy letter, actually, probably about 20 pages, going in, in, in great detail on the facts and the legal theories and that sort of thing. Sent it over to him. Three weeks later, I finally got a response. And during that intervening three weeks, we had talked about sitting down and trying to negotiate this out and just sit down and meet with my client and myself and him and his client. And so could we possibly get together? We scheduled a negotiation session for a, 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 a just an initial meeting for 9 a.m. Tuesday morning at his office. And when I got his written response to my lengthy letter, I received it about 7 p.m. on Monday night, the night before. And it said, Dear Steve, Paragraph one, have read your letter and you got the facts all wrong. You got the law all wrong. You're just wrong, period. Paragraphs two through the next seven pages, your client is a liar, a cheat, a fraud, has committed breach of fiduciary duty, you know, is a terrible human being. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning. <laughs> well, that, that sounds like about every other letter I've ever gotten, but go ahead. We did not have that meeting Tuesday morning. He had made this extremely personal. He could not treat it as we have a, a, a dispute between two people in good faith over a legal question. He did the old positional bargaining kind of ploy of 
you know, I'm going to tar and feather your client and call them a skunk and intimidate them and bully them and blah, blah. Well, that approach, if that was, was his approach to get an advantage, uh, fell. I mean, I laughed about it. I thought it was absurd. I thought it was it was ridiculous that his, his he simply dismissed my arguments, which I took as sign that he really thought that they had good merit, which they do, and that he was just trying to rile up my client, and he did. My client became quite angry about it. Uh, eventually, despite his starting letter, two things happened. One, his client fired him about six months later. He was making no progress. And two, guess what? We eventually won and got all those assets because my legal theories were right. We would have settled, my client would have settled for something less than that early on. Given the tone, the tenor, and the animosity that that commercial litigator displayed on behalf of his client, which I'm sure the client was pushing him to do that, given that it became a all or nothing fight and we ended up on the side of all. It still wasn't great for my client in the sense that it, it took some time unnecessarily to get to that point. But this is an example of where the people and the problem are deliberately tied together. And I think in this in this example, and I have a few others I could cite, it was done either knowingly and deliberately or kind of carelessly. As you said, it sounds like a lot of letters, you know, other commercial lawyers get. It, it simply inflamed the situation and made negotiating a settlement or mediating a settlement, almost impossible. And I've also been in situations where uh, commercial lawyers would send out that sort of letter, and, and they would be kind of shrugging their shoulders at the same time, saying, well, of course, that's just that's just the game. That's the game we play, and then we'll sit down and we'll settle it. But I've observed that sometimes when there's a closely held business situation, that that just doesn't get shrugged off by the clients. They take it very personal. They get angry. And then you end up spending a great deal of time and effort trying to get people to calm down and understand their interests and just say that that was just the gamesmanship of the commercial lawyer. He didn't really mean anything about it, just like uh, he didn't mean anything when he filed a lawsuit and called you the lowest, lowest snake he's ever seen. That was just the gamesmanship. Well, that doesn't necessarily work all the time, I don't think. And it's in, in my experience is it often does not work in a, in, a, in a small, closely held business where the bitterness simply leads to more bit bitterness. However, I have a, um, a, a general belief, and I think it's well-founded, perhaps I'm wrong, that if people are treated more like adults and can solve their own problems with some help and some guidance on the legal matters, that a lot of these things can be done and accomplished and resolved in in ways that benefit your my own client, lead to much less damage to everybody, particularly if it's another family member, and, and can get done quicker and faster. And if I turn out to be wrong, if we end up having the people and the problem just absolutely mixed together, well, then that's where we end up. Steve, I, I'm thinking as I listen to you of, of a typical matter that comes into my office, you know, let's say it's the uh, minority owner of a closely held business. Maybe it's a family owned business. And typically at the point in time they're coming to me, whatever bad stuff, misunderstandings, bad stuff, whatever you want to call it, has been going on, has been going on for a long time. It didn't just start the day before. It's building up. There are some real things happening, you know, so to speak, on the ground. Maybe someone has been locked out of the company and cut off from any access to the company information. And maybe they've been fired. 
And this is not an extreme example. It, it's really not. And so when that person comes into my office, he or she is already feeling you know, angry. They're feeling betrayed. They're feeling like they've been stabbed in the back and stepped on. So I just know that they're going to be very unreceptive to the idea of you know, reaching out to the other side, either directly or through their other side's attorney and saying, you know, you know, can't we just, can't we all just get along here? That's a bit of an, <laughs> an unfair <laughs> characterization of what you've just said. I, I'll admit that. From my experience, it is very difficult under those types of circumstances. And it doesn't always have to be talking about a minority disempowered, you know, owner. It can, it can be the other way too. It can be extremely difficult to convince a client that the right thing to do under those circumstances, at least in the first round or two, is to try and get to the table with the other side and focus just on interests and put aside all the, the bitter feelings. It's just, it's really, really difficult to do. What I'm, um, I guess, advocating here is not necessarily a one-size-fits-all. I'd say you're uh, absolutely. I've, I've been in those same situations where it was sort of an emergency. Something has to be done immediately. And I agree in those cases, what may need to be done is immediately file suit, get an, a TRO. At least bring people to the point, maybe you, you launch into a very vicious litigation, or maybe you say, let's get a litigation that brings everything to a standstill so that we can then attempt to talk, which often is what a judge may, certainly down here in Texas, loves to try to, you know, is almost compelled to send things to at least a mediation to try to, to resolve things. And I understand, I think there are different situations. Let me cite two that I am been involved in, and I will show the contrast and how I, I, I think you're absolutely correct, but it's not always the, the, the case that you have to go to court right away. One, matter had been brewing for a little bit, and in fact, there was a termination. I mean, there was a, you're, you're out of here, I'm throwing your stuff out on the street. And I spent about two days talking with the lawyer on the other side, trying to see if there was even a basis for us to try to sit down to talk about this. I reported back to my client and said, no, they're setting preconditions which boil down to we win, you lose, then we'll talk to you. And I, I simply said, we need to go find us a litigator, which uh, which we did, and uh, found a, a good a good attorney who took it on contingency, and that arbitration is pending right now. Uh, and, and frankly, I'm out of it because it was clear that the other side had no willingness to even have a conversation. They wanted to go directly to litigation, and so be, that'd be it. In contrast, I had one about three or four years ago where I got calls from, uh, again, the, the, the minority who said, we've been fighting for 15 years, sometimes throwing things and sometimes just grumbling, but it's gotten really bad over the last three years. And now we're at our wit's end. We never went to, to court over that one. I got a litigator as my co-counsel so he could pop up from time to time and say, we're ready to go to court if we need to. If you, majority owner and manager, want to, we'll be ready for it. And we just slowly calmed things down, got everyone to see that a knockdown, drag-out litigation was just going to destroy the business and leave nobody with anything. And then slowly moved over to trying to come up with a solution, which turned out in this case to be readily apparent. So I think it can it can go either way. I'm certainly not saying that that I that I'm capable 
of calming any waters out there. I'm certainly not. And I recognize when they get too choppy. But sometimes things have been brewing and, they, and, and I think you can launch in this, in this path. So I hope that's a helpful answer. I'm going to take a guess. And actually, it's not much of a guess because I think you've addressed it in some of the other writings of yours. I've seen that you're a big proponent of uh, mediation. Yes. Yes. I, yes, I am. I'm not a big proponent of mediation as the first go-to uh, thing is, in other words, you either go to trial court or you mediate. And I've seen uh, some commercial lawyers seem to think it's either one or the other. And I respect that. I think it's better if people really do control their own destinies, if they can sit down and talk directly to the other side. However, I know that frequently that's not possible. You need a, you need a go-between. You need a, an honest broker who can help uh, shed light on everything, can, um, can help the parties find their own solution. And so, yes, I'm, I am in favor of that. I've been through it when it's worked, and I've been through it when it's failed. But I think it's usually worth a shot. Most of the matters that come my way, Steve, you know, the relationship is broken. Even when it's family, that relationship is you know, irreconcilable or practically so. And, and it's at that point in time where, you know, there is a tendency, certainly on the part of the principals, to see whatever's going to happen next as a zero-sum game. You know, the good news is that the end of almost all of these stories is a settlement, even if they have to go through the litigation ringer for some time. And it usually will result, if indeed the relationship is irreparably broken, it will usually, you know, terminate with business divorce in the real sense of that word, a separation of the business partners, whether they're family or not. And that usually means that one will end up with the company and the other will end up with a pile of cash. The way I look at it is that, you know, you go through this initial period of bloodletting, the, you know, the blood, you could even say that bloodletting serves a purpose that is in allowing the principles, frankly, on both sides to do their venting, to get it mm -hmm. out. And, and then after X months of getting legal bills, they start to realize that, you know, the amount of time and money and effort that they're investing in the process ain't worth it. And now it's time to focus on, you know, getting a deal done. It's a story that repeats itself over and over and over. I think every lawyer who's doing their job understands, I like to think of myself in that group, understands that it's their job to tell their clients what the options are, what each of those options entails, what each of those options is going to cost. Um, I think in New York, we're now under a uh, at least aspirational rule to advise our clients of mediation as an early, uh, you know, sort of early intervention. And we can do that, and clients can still say to us, no, thank you. I want to sue so-and-so. I, I want, you know, I, I've been cheated. I, I want to go to court. And, you know, and I think it's my job as a lawyer to, once I explain to them what those options are, I think of it as my job to let the lawyer, let the client decide what it wants to do. I'm not sure I'm saying anything really different than what you've just said. Maybe the emphasis is a little bit different. I, I think I think actually what you were saying was that uh, I was about to say, Peter, Peter, you're coming over to my side. It sounds like very often we are, although starting at different points, we're all aiming and winding up at the same intersection. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. And sometimes, certainly as the lawyer has to explain to the client, and if the client decides 
by golly, I insist on doing so-and-so, uh, then I agree. You, either you say, yes, I will do that, or in my case, I'll say, well, if you want to just sue the jerk, you know, let me find you a lawyer that'll do that. You know, I, I can't do that. I'm not really a litigator, not a trial lawyer. I can assist the, your trial lawyer on the theories and that sort of thing. And as you said, sometimes the, the, the fighting in the court, they finally, a few months later, could say, gee, I just, I just don't want to keep paying for this. I can't do it. My way is more to get a litigator uh, to sit and say, let me tell you what it's going to be like rather than we just go through it. Because, and again, part of that is that I think that often when people get into this the trial setting, boy, the, 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 the things are said and done that are just hard to take back. Uh, and that just makes it harder, that the knot gets tighter and becomes harder to, to, to fix the thing. But having said all that, Peter, I agree. I think it's different ways to reach the same point, ultimately, which is a settlement. And sometimes going through the fighting in court might be the best way for those particular parties to reach that conclusion. Well, Steve, why don't, why don't we end on that high note of agreement? Steve, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Where can folks find some of these fine philosophical articles that you've been writing of late? Oh, man, the philosopher king, the philosophical writer. My goodness, Peter. Well, I, at LinkedIn, I've been publishing uh, on my LinkedIn site, the Steve Robinson, uh, Robinson and Robinson LLP. At this point, that's where they are. And if they are somewhat thought provoking and somewhat uh, help, help give um, other professionals, perhaps a little different point of view, then I think hopefully that's something that's, that's good and that's helpful. And if uh, someone like yourself or another attorney says, gee, I think this particular client could be helped by that approach, then I'd be I'd be delighted to talk to them because some one approach is better than another approach. You know, sometimes and I'll admit, sometimes just go into the courtroom is the only way is the only place of inventing that they're going to be happy. They got to have it heard. And sometimes I acknowledge that's that that's what they want to do, and that's where you got to start. And or the circumstances compel you. Uh, well, I, I look forward to uh, reading more of your articles, and and I hope some of our listeners will do the same. Uh, Steve, thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for having me, Peter. If you're interested in learning more about Steve, you can visit his website, roblawfirm.com, where you'll find links to his blog posts on business divorce topics. Some of his recent articles include one on information disparity among owners. He did a series on drafting separation agreements between business co-owners, and he did another series on alternative dispute resolution in business divorce cases mediation, arbitration, negotiation. Speaking of websites, don't forget to stay current on all things business divorce on my blog, New York Business Divorce, that's nybusinessdivorce.com, where you'll find a new in-depth article every Monday. Till next time, this is Peter Mahler. Thanks for listening to the podcast.